Life is a School of Learning, Samuel C. Millard, Jr., USAF, retired. This is Sincerely Yours, and I'm your host, Cece Denno. friends and family to another episode of Sincerely Yours. I am happy to say that we are back from the wedding and survived and Lori and Chris are on their honeymoon so they're having fun in Cancun and Belize and so I have a new episode of Sincerely Yours here for you today. But first let's get down to a few details. The quotable sentence as life is a school of learning, Samuel C. Millard, Jr., USAF retired, and that was submitted by Kyle Leonard, who is sort of like extended family to me. Um, he is one of my roommates from college, sister's husband, and we were there in, at Disney World when he proposed, and so we actually went to the wedding also, which was a lot of fun. Then, my boyfriend Steve and I are going to be running the Hummingbird Music and Arts 5K race on May 1st in Rentham, Massachusetts. So, anyone in New England, if you would like to join us, their mission is to promote safe driving while encouraging our supporters to pledge never to drive distracted, to refrain from cell phone use, behind the wheel, to never use alcohol or drugs if driving, and to always wear a seatbelt. This pledge encompasses not only teens, but everyone on the road. We should all drive responsibly. You have up until April 30th to sign up for the race. So if you want to go ahead, you can reach out to me for details, or if you can go to their website, it is www.hummingbirdmusicandarts.org. So there we go. Also, I'd like to share that Sincerely Yours has become a sponsor for the Hummingbird Music and Arts Organization race. So if you would like to come down to Rentham, Massachusetts on May 1st and stop by the Sincerely Yours booth, I'd love to say hi. Finally, I have a special announcement. This podcast is supported by Music and Motion Studios. Music and Motion Studios. Music and Motion Studios. Nikki De Pasquale, Music and Motion Studios, LLC. Music and Motion Studios provides expert creative services for music and video. The company was rebranded from her first company but revamped to only her and everything she loves that combines her two fields, video and music. Find her today at musicandmotionstudios.com. I'm so thrilled to share that I have a sponsor for the podcast. And uh, Nikki's work is amazing. I definitely recommend taking a look at it. And speaking of Nikki, I am also glad to share that she is a guest for today's podcast. And so if you know Nikki, if you don't, um, she is an absolutely amazing person. I've known her for a while. She was a friend of a friend and became a friend. 
and her story is really amazing and it's funny because when I was interviewing her and I was sitting there listening to her I was thinking wow this would make a really good podcast and then I remembered oh that we were recording for my podcast so (laughs) that would make some sense um but I I am glad she's actually part of the audience and so she approached me and wanted to share her story and I am glad that the podcast can be a comfortable platform um, to share something and so like absolutely if you want to uh, reach out and get in touch with me um, this is definitely a safe place uh, so I am looking forward to sharing the story. Hey Susie! Hi Nikki! (laughs) Thanks for for having me. Uh, I've um, I've been somewhat familiar with podcasts for the last maybe a couple of years, but I didn't really start listening and getting really into um, podcasts with information until the last few months. I was always listening to Above and Beyond, which is a techno podcast, so I never really listened to any type of you know TED Talk or any type of podcast that I can get anything out of. Right. So it's pretty cool that I'm doing this and I'm, it's really cool that I'm doing this today mm-hmm. it's kind of a coincidence I'm doing it today because I've done a very drastic move oh, I'm oh okay very exhausted actually <laughs> it's been a long yeah, couple of nights the, uh, yeah you'll have to tell me it's been a long the couple of nights last two nights um last two nights I have not had a lot of sleep um not in a bad way just a lot of quick moves that I've had to make um that I was not expecting to do until many months from now, but I am, after 12 years of working at my current day job, which is at Berkeley College of Music, I have announced this morning to them that I am leaving. Oh my goodness. The college period. Oh. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It was very, this is very unexpected, especially after since we, last time we met. I you saw did, you last week. Yeah, it was going to be like a while, right? Yeah, and it, it turned very, very quickly. And what's interesting is that if I were to look at my life four years ago, maybe even more than that, I don't think I would have ever had the guts to do this decision right, <laughs> or to make right. this decision. This was, I want to say, the hardest, easiest day of my life <gasps> oh my to goodness. do that. Um, but yeah, like I said to you the last time I saw you, it was going to be more probably late summer, early fall that this was going to happen. At least like a while. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, well, I'm very surprised, um, because, yeah, because you had said it would be a while, but, I mean, with the the decision and saying that if this, if you had thought in four years that you would be making this decision, it's almost like you don't recognize, like, where you are. No, and I come from a long history of being blinded by my own life and not really realizing what's going on around me. You know, I, I could tell you that. If this was five years ago, I was in a different life. I had a different lifestyle. I was with my former husband, and I don't think I would have ever felt comfortable, not just financially, but having the confidence to go ahead and take a big leap because basically I'm leaving it to be a full-time contractor. Um, My company is going to be joining forces with another company um, where I'll be doing all their video and all of their music and 
some training will be involved with that too. So I'm basically going from this very comfortable protected very protected place (laughs) berkeley was my home since i was 18 years old i went to school there for four years i left i think for six months and i worked at a music software company and it was the worst six months of my life and i went right back into berkeley and i stayed there and i moved around within berkeley for for a long time and always had something on the outside i had a different company with my former husband and then when that marriage dissolved i also dissolved we had as a company and took a little bit of a break, did some soul searching, did some salsa dancing, did some salsa dancing, which we'll talk about too, as to (laughs) how that was the beginning of the domino effect, I think of what I've been through. And that one decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that one decision to leave everything behind and start over. um, It all brought me to this point so, yeah, if I would look at this, you know, many years ago, I would have never done this. I don't think I would have ever been comfortable. Um, so but because of the changes in your life and the way it goes, it started to make sense, right? It does. In it's time. Way? Yeah. It's and, time. And, time. And I've been in this Berkeley bubble for all that time. We're talking 16 years. When you when you add the staff years, I've been there for 12 years. And Plus the, school years. the school years, I really didn't have much of a break in between the two. I had six months. And it, today was like me just taking a little needle, or I can say, you know, conducting baton, if you will, and just went and <laughs> burst. And here I come. I'm, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Took me a long time to get here. And I remember maybe two years ago, my fiance asked me when I first started my company, and I was really having a tough time with the, with, the day job for a number of reasons um and it has nothing to do with the institution itself it was just at the, at that time the environment that i was in it was a very negative environment yeah it's not healthy that changed um after a while but at the same time i'm finding myself where i'm looking at my my life and i have my company music emotion studios where it's everything that i've ever wanted to do it's the music it's it's the video Sometimes there's a little bit of instructional design that comes along with it, but it's everything that I was meant to do. But I'm in a day job that I used to love, but it's not for me anymore. I was doing tech support. I was an Apple certified support consultant. And I didn't see myself going any further than that. Not there. There were ideas that we all had, but was Berkeley able to do it? No. So it was time for me to, you know get going with it but I didn't even two years ago have the guts to just leave Berkeley and try to take my company on my own I wasn't comfortable I didn't have the confidence I I have a student loan still there's financial obligations and the student loan the wedding (laughs) and we weren't even engaged yet at that point but the student loan thing and you probably know this that that it's like a growth that just is a part of you. <laughs> it's almost like a goiter. Or yeah. goiter. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, that like lives with you. It just lives and, with you. And, and it's a part of your being. It makes you afraid. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're afraid, it's, it just speaks to, you know, you don't have enough of that confidence to do what you really want to do and take the risk. I never took the risk. Yeah. And the decision that really brought me down to this is that you know I'm 34 years old and 
my fiance said to me, this is the last shot that you probably have to do something like this and to take a risk that you've never taken before we have kids. He's so, so supportive. He is. He's, He's so awesome. We, we love Matt. We, we love Matt. Do. We love Matt. Um, so I figure, let me backtrack to the beginning okay. and go through the domino effect with everybody because everybody is going to have a part of their life where they're not sure of themselves or they're not confident in themselves and they are almost afraid to stand up for what they believe in and they want to make decisions that might be drastic, it might be out of the norm, it might make them into an outsider. And there's a lot of decisions that I've made throughout my life that uh, a lot of people questioned and a lot of people judged me on. And I was hurt by the judgment for a very long time. And after a while, I just had to put my hands up and be like, you know what? Why am I getting hurt by them judging me? It's not their life, it's mine. And if it works for me, then it works for me. Yeah, and that's and that's what you have to keep at the forefront is that they're not the ones doing the everyday. They're not. It's it's you, and and you have to find out what's important to you, the time that you spend on things, the people that you spend your time with. That's exactly that's it. Life is too short. It is too short, especially when you have an hour commute. (laughs) I won't have that anymore. And then you're at work for eight hours. Yeah, you have an hour home. And then it's lunch, it's dinner time, and... And I still haven't done my company work yet. Yeah. And I'm beat. And, yeah. yeah, you're exhausted, <laughs> and, and, and you have to think, what is more important here? Yeah. What is? Yeah. And it's what you're passionate about. It's what drives you. It's like, it's what keeps you up at night. Like, the other night, I couldn't fall asleep because I was so excited about podcasting. Hey, I'm see, that's the best part. That's the best part. I I was able to fall asleep. I think I was just up really late having a lot of conversations with many people about today. <laughs> I was Kelly included? Kelly just found out. Oh, she just found yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I told her right before I got here, uh-huh. and she's flipping out. Oh. Uh, she's uh, The support that I've gotten from my family, my friends, and especially even more important to me is the support from my current coworkers. The people at Berkeley, they are, I mean, they're sad to see me go, but the support and the excitement that they've, you know, shown today, it's been a very long day with this. And I haven't even told the rest of the college yet. It's just been my, my team. And we met early. I know. (laughs) I've been up since about five something. I had a, a meeting with my accountant this morning. That was the final push of, okay, I'm ready to go now. To go back to the beginning, and I mean the very beginning from when I was a kid, um, I had it a little bit tough when it comes to the social world. I, I, there was a, a moment where everything was great in grade school, and then I get to middle school and all these other schools combined and all my friends went to different groups and oh, we all got yeah. you know split up. So it was very hard for a very long time and I never compensated myself. I tried a couple of times to change who I was to match everybody else. I well, you name you it. You want to fit in and you yeah. want to wear what people are wearing exactly. and what people do and and then after a while I stopped giving a crap and then just started doing my own thing because I even though I was trying to fit in, it was never successful mm-hmm. because there, there was always something that was never right there. And I tried every single click that there, there was, cause that's what you do, especially yeah. as a girl. Yeah. And I'm a little bit more of a, I wouldn't say that I'm a tomboy, but I was a little bit more 
You rough. like the leather and... Yeah, yeah. I, w- I did have the leather jacket. I had the leather <laughs> rocker jacket when I was 13. I was so excited to have it. But yeah, after a while, I just started doing my own thing, and I didn't really have a... a you know, a click. I had yeah. a couple of close friends here and there, and I had some friends that were in each of those types of groups that were, you know, their own friend network because they, we all started together when we were young. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really until maybe middle of high school where I just started really just going my own way. And at the time, I did what I wanted to do. I did struggle a lot uh, in in school, um, academically. Musician. Yeah. So, yeah, how does the music yeah, the, the, the music, I was lucky with where I went. I went to Island Trees in Levittown. And uh, it was Levittown, New York. And uh, that school continues to have the best music department that, I, that I'm aware of. Wow. And they... On Long Island? I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that that's still the case. But that was my that was my 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 thing, mm-hmm. and eventually, you know, I, I, for a while, I was looked at as like the band geek, and you know, not really the popular one. But it wasn't until maybe junior senior year where I was starting to do stuff that no one's done before as a musician, bringing everybody together. the The year that I graduated, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna blow this room up with yeah. a maneuver um we always had talent shows and i always would get form rock bands together and i was the rocker yeah. but when i graduated titanic had just come out <laughs> so at that point i was learning how to orchestrate i was learning how to write for strings and then how to write for brass and um i basically designed a i, I want to say it was a 35 piece orchestra and choir of the entire senior class that were in choir, that were in orchestra, oh, wow. that were in band. And it was everybody that I could possibly pull to do the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On, fully orchestrated. And that was the moment where I realized that doing my own thing, doing what I want to do, people will respect you for it, even if there's a little bit of pushback from the general society. Yeah. I you never... Because it's always like the corporate ladders. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is such a soft spot in our culture for people who are independent and do things on their own. Yeah, you just have to go against the norm sometimes. And I feel like high school prepares you for life in a lot of weird ways. I feel Uh, like college is like that, too. Oh, college is definitely that. Although I went to a music school that was very (laughs) well-rounded. We all loved each other. College... Going to college at Berkeley was the best four years of my life. I didn't have to worry about any of that. That's how I feel like every, yeah, Everybody like... was doing things out of the norm, and we all supported each other. And it was the best experience that I've ever had. I, had. I have no regrets, even though I am still, at this point, after being out of college for 12 years, I'm still $50,000 in debt. But it was worth it, because I was where I belonged. I never drank in high school. I always questioned why that was a thing well i didn't drink in high school yeah i did not even touch it i didn't do any drugs i was very straight laced oh i would try you know cigarette smoking here and there just to kind of fit in but you know that didn't really last very much um it wasn't until college where i started 
playing around with that. I guess it's naturally going to happen, but the way I went into it wasn't really the, the best way. Let's take a quick break from a word from our sponsor. So if you like what you're hearing, this is actually from Missy's company, Music in Motion Studios. She is insanely gifted. I definitely recommend going to her website, musicinmotionstudios.com. You can find her on Twitter. That's Nikki E-P-Q. Nikki spelled with K. And find her on Instagram, Music in Motion Studios, on Facebook. But let's get back to the interview. My introduction to the drinking was kind of natural, but then I started getting into a little bit more deeper stuff. I, you know, it started with the pot, and then it went from pot to other experiments, more all in the psychedelic realm. I didn't go, you know, any, you know, not as hard. Well, it was hardcore. No needles or no needles. No needles. No powder. <laughs> no powder. But you know, I definitely saw some pink elephants at some point in the room. But. uh how I got into that, unfortunately, was through peer pressure. And it was through peer pressure from someone I loved. And it was almost like I was being belittled because I've never done anything bad in my life. And in the end, I started doing it out of spite. And just found myself, I, when I look back, I was so manipulated into doing it. Well, he was a very manipulative person. Yeah, he, you know, he was, and that's, and I, I know he knows that. Um, and me speaking publicly about that, you know, without saying any names, it's, it's a little bit rough. But, um, there was a lot of manipulation there, and I, that was the beginning of the end for me, right there, because I let manipulation take over me without realizing it was happening, and I never really realized it. Until many years later. Um, so now yeah. that was back in 1999 when I was doing all that. And, you know, look, I had a good time with it. But there were so many times where I questioned myself, oh, why am I still doing this? Why am I still doing this? I don't want to do this anymore, but I still kept doing it. Mm-hmm. And that was everything. That was the drinking. It was the pot. It, you know, uh, it was mostly the alcohol and pot. That was the biggest, the two biggest things. Well, because he drank. Yeah, I was living in an environment that 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 had that. And then also the drinking, which is a whole other thing. The drinking is just like any other drug. Alcohol is just like any other drug. It's just that it's socially acceptable. But it's the same thing. Alcohol can be compared to something like heroin. It's the same thing. I mean, sugar, sugar has the same effect as heroin. Correct. So... Addiction is addiction. I found myself to a point where I didn't even realize that I may have had a problem. I didn't know. It wasn't until, I want to say 2008, around 2008, 2009. When Kelly came into my life. When Kelly came into my life. <laughs> that is correct. I shouldn't I should correlate those two. <laughs> but no, Kelly had nothing to do with it, actually. No, Kelly Kelly was like a huge support. Like, he was so yeah. there for you. Um, Kelly, Kelly came in a little bit after the fact of what was going on at that time frame, and she saw me through the rest of it. So I had a friend of mine. It was the first female friend that I've had in a long time, and somebody that I used to work with. Right. She was a gamer. She was totally geeky. She was a musician. Her she humor. Had tattoos. She, actually, I don't think she had tattoos. She had oh. a lot of piercings, though. <laughs> um, but she was on point with the type of 
girl that I wanted to hang out with. Yeah. And I don't even know how we became friends, but I think we just naturally found each other funny through mutual friends via Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started hanging out. We started gaming and I had really no idea about her history. When I started getting to know her, she was, I want to say 20, she was in her mid-20s at the time. She was dating somebody and living with somebody that was old enough to be her father. Whoa. Really? Yeah. And, you know, hey, it, it might be out of the norm, but you you do see that. It's just, it was interesting to me. And the guy that she was with was one of my former teachers at Berkeley. And, you know, um, it was just like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a good guy. So I'm like, all right, interesting. Um, what I come to find out, um, many years later, it was at one of a par- one of the parties that I had at my house back in the day when, when I used to have all these Halloween parties, you've been to them. I went to one. Yeah. I think you've been to one of them. You went to, you went to the last one. Oh, the last one. The yeah. last one. I that mean, was the final one that I did when I turned 30. It was decked out. Like, it was you decked would out. I believe skeletons. <laughs> We like, thank my we thank my former husband for that one. My former husband <laughs> you was take brilliant. Take time off of work to to decorate, right? No, it was no. all weekends and oh, nights. It was all weekends. Yeah, yeah. it was all yeah. weekends and nights. It, I couldn't wait for it to be over because it would just turn our apartment upside down. We had a small apartment at the time, yeah. um, but a few years prior to that moment, um, she something had happened where the boyfriend couldn't come with her, um, and she got really upset about it, and she got lasted drunk lasted and we were all getting drunk we were all getting high whatever but to the point where she was inconsolable and then next thing i know she's blacked out face first on my floor and it weirded me out and i was told that this has happened before from other people from mutual friends that was the beginning of knowing that something wasn't quite right here. There was some sort of emotional imbalance that this girl was dealing with. Right. And she woke up the next day and she was so apologetic. And I told her, stay, don't leave yet. Like, just stay here. Don't. And she ended up walking out um, when we were sleeping at like five in the morning. What ended up coming through over time was at some point she came out to me that she had a problem with not only drinking, but with Oxycontin, right? Something like that. Yeah, Oxycontin. She, I don't know if she had an injury and then got into it or if she just started self-medicating. This is a girl that um, had some trauma when she was younger and I don't think she ever diagnosed it and... She was self-medicating for all these years. Mm-hmm. And, and dealing she, with it in her own way. Dealing with it in her own way. And it's it's funny, you know, people always question their children. Why are their kids, you know, addicted to something? Why are they having problems with drugs? And they the parents blame themselves. And I tell them, it is not your fault. Because they could be self-medicating for a lot of different reasons. It could be a peer pressure thing. It could be a social thing. Or something could have happened to them and they can't deal with it sober so they block it Uh, and that was the unfortunate case with this girl and the manipulation that came over that once she told me I was sharing that information with a mutual friend because we wanted to build a support network for her and she got pissed 
got oh. pissed. She did not want anybody talking about her and defriended. This is before really Facebook, but she blocked the, all of us. The, she the did real the real the, the real, real defriend. <laughs> yes, the de-friend. real defriend of all of us. And she wouldn't talk to any of us. Uh, but then I noticed that she started talking with the men that were involved. And there was a whole other background with her about men. And she wouldn't talk to me, but she talked to the men. And this went on for many, many years. But when that happened, I was so distraught because this girl was mad at me just for trying to help her. Yeah. And I didn't understand. It's very confusing. I was so confused and I was really upset. And I had a friend of mine um, who was a former addict. Uh, he's, I think, 10 or 12 years sober now, uh, or clean, I should say. And he told me I need to go visit a group. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Al-Anon, which is uh, Al-Anon and Naranon. It's a it's a family and friends group for those people who have loved ones that are going through addiction. Oh. So for me, I went to Naranon because addiction is addiction. It doesn't matter what the substance is. It doesn't even have to be a substance. It could be addiction to gambling. It could be addiction to um even things that might seem healthy, you know, mm-hmm. like heavy addiction to gaming, heavy to addiction exercise. to exercise. Yeah. If you have an addictive personality, that, you know, is going to be the case for, right. for anybody. Yeah. So I go in, this is now, I want to say December, I think of 2010. I go into this meeting in Cambridge and I'm the youngest person in the group. Wow. Everybody in there is, I think, in their 50s and higher. Because they were there for their children. They were there for their children. So I felt a little bit out of, out of place already in a place that I was going into that was supposed to be a support group. And within five minutes, even though I was there for a friend and not a child, not a parent, the level of support from this group was so powerful that I ended up staying with them for more than a year. More I than did not year. know this at all, Nikki. Kelly yeah. knows, yeah. Kelly knows. Kelly knows. But yeah, that was a major part of my life. And a couple of close people in my life didn't really understand why I kept going because they felt like it was reminding myself of the situation. That's not the point of what this group is. When you go to a, um, a group like that, you go through the 12 steps, the same 12 steps that an addict does. It's just the context is a little bit different. But the steps are exactly the same, except what it does, instead of helping you with your recovery, it's helping you put the focus back on yourself because people that were in that room were very much like me, where they were putting their all into everybody else. Mm-hmm. They took care of everyone else. Yep. They wanted to help everybody and not really put much focus on themselves. And I didn't really realize how much I was doing that to myself. I just would take care of everybody and I wouldn't ask for anything in return. Yeah. And I got used to it. You know, I was in a marriage where I was working like three jobs to keep ourselves overhead. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't working a lot at the time and um, didn't get to do a lot of what I wanted to do. I lost a lot of my 20s during that during the marriage and going through that. Yeah, because that's what I meant. Your 30th birthday party for Christmas. Then my 30th birthday was the turning point. Um, so I spent a year with this group going through the 12 steps, and it was 
uh, at that point in April of 2011. So at this point, I'm getting close to the 30th birthday. And I was on step four. And step four is all about doing a very deep inventory of yourself. And when I mean deep inventory, you're going into some really dark stuff and you're trying to figure out, you know, your traits, Mm -hmm. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I even remember writing things like I had jealousy. I had, you know, I remember jealousy being a big one. Because I think I got upset that this friend that put me in this situation was befriending the guy friends befriending other people and not coming back to me as a friend that wanted to be there for her. Yeah. You know, this is a girl that I, I loved this girl. She was awesome. And there was jealousy there. And I kept going deeper and deeper and deeper in to the point where I'm here. I am going to this group about addiction, but then I go home and I have not only, you know, pot in the house and I'm still doing it, but I am alone and I'm doing that also with a neat glass of whiskey in my hand. Not even, I don't even water it down with ice. There were times where I didn't even include the glass. I just had the <laughs> bottle. And I just woke up and thought, oh my God, I am the biggest hypocrite. What am I doing? Let's stop there. So I am so happy that Nikki shared her story. This is the first half and uh, on the next episode we'll have the second half. So this is a part one and then there will be a part two. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as I've offered, please reach out to me. Um, You can find me on Instagram. It's Cece Knows It All. Can email me for the podcast at sincerely yours at writeme.com, but I look forward to next time.